This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc. Come on, baby, stand up. Well, it's so dark you probably can't see her, but take a look at her later. And when you look at me, Esposa, you will know immediately that I outkicked my coverage. You know what I mean? I mean, I went way beyond myself. There's no way. And uh, I've got a great friend here tonight, Lester Warner, who actually brought my wife and I here. And Lester is in the ag business. And uh, uh, we, he was flying, we were flying over these, these fields today. And man, we were commenting about how fruitful this land is. And, and our prayer tonight before the service was that, that Celebration Church, that God will send in labors for the harvest. And we will see a fruit that is being born in this valley like never before for the kingdom. Amen? Come on. So Lester, I want to tell you in front of all these people, you live out Proverbs 11. You are a man of such great generosity. And because of that, the favor of God rests upon you. And everything this businessman puts his hand to, it turns green. And it grows and it prospers. I mean, you know, I I seem to buy everything high and sell it low. I I don't know. I I don't have that gift. He buys everything low and sells it high and then gives it all the way for the kingdom. So give it up for Lester Warner. Come on. Well, I bring you greetings from your sister church in South Florida, Christ Fellowship. They're praying for us this uh, very night as we're gathering here in this beautiful part of the state of California. Well, I just, it's an honor to be with you and we love you guys. I grew up in southern Ohio, just north of Cincinnati, Ohio, and uh, football was what we played. I mean, it, it was a football area. And my dad played back in the day when they didn't have face masks. I'm talking about the old leather helmet day. You know what I'm talking about? If you'd ever seen my dad, you'd recognize he played without a face mask. You know what I'm talking about? Because his nose was over on one side, and it was was kind of rough, kind of rough looking. Praise God, my mother was good looking, and I took after her. You know what I mean? So, But anyways, we we grew up there, and and, um, it was interesting that I got a phone call a couple years ago, and they wanted me to come back uh, to the Cincinnati area to our high school because they were having the 50th year reunion of my class. I didn't think I was that old. I'm going, what? 50 years? I'm not that old. Who in the world's that old? Because I'm not, listen, I'm older, but I'm not old. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not old. And if you, if you call me old, I'll probably take you out. I'll just probably just, in Jesus' name, of course, but I'll take you out. That's what I'm talking about. So I said, I, I can't go back to my reunion. I, I, and she called, she says, well, you were the president of our class. You should come back. I said, no, I'm not coming back. Well, you were the captain of the football team, basketball team. Every team we had, you were the captain. You should be back. I said, no, I can't come back. I'm traveling. I'm speaking. I'm doing all this. I, I don't have time to come back. So about two weeks after that, she called me again. She was so persistent. She said to me, she said, hey, Tom. Coach Young is coming, and he wants to see you. I said, okay, I'll be there. I'll be there. My, my high school football coach wants to see me. I'll be there. So I flew up to Cincinnati, Ohio. I met my cousin I went to school with. He picked me up, and we drove to this country club where they were having our class reunion. And um, <laughs> we, we pull up into the parking lot, and I look at these people standing around outside, and I looked at my cousin, and I said, who are all those people right there? I said, it looks like they just got out of a nursing home bus. I mean, they're on, they're on walkers. They, they got oxygen tanks. They got canes. I mean, it was wheelchair. I said, who's that bunch? He said, that's our class. I said, no, 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 no. That cannot be our class. It was shocking. And that night, I had no idea they all majored in, in the pharmaceutical industry because all they talked about was their medicines. <laughs> what is up with that? So I got out of the car reluctantly, and I looked around, and I saw him. I saw Coach Young standing over there, and I went right to him. I got my arms around Coach, and I said, hey, Coach, it's so good to see you. 
and I hugged him. Tears came to my eyes. And all I wanted to do was talk to my coach that night. I wanted to sit with my coach. I wanted to hang with my coach. You know why? Because when I was a 16-year-old boy, I played football when I was a freshman. I started on our varsity football team. I started as a sophomore in my junior year, a 16-year-old boy. I walk onto the practice field that summer, and he calls me over and says, Hey, Mullins, come over here. I went over there. We're just getting ready to start our two-a-day summer practices. He said, Mullins, I want you to know something. He said, You have the potential to play college ball. And he said, I see it in you. And he said, if you play hard this year, the scouts are going to start looking at you this year, and I'm going to promote you, and I'm going to help you earn a college scholarship. You don't know what that meant to a 16-year-old boy. Nobody in my family ever been to college. My dad was a truck driver. We just all were just hardworking people. Nobody ever been to college. And he said, I'm going to help. I want you to work hard. He said, I'm going to do something else. I've never done this for a junior, but I'm going to name you captain of our team this year, even as a junior, because I see the leadership in you. And you're going to lead our team to victory this year, and you're going to earn yourself a scholarship this year. Do you know what that did to me? When somebody called the champion out in me, saw the potential in me, and affirmed me like that, man, I worked my backside off for him. And to his word, the next year I became, I made all state honors, and I earned a college scholarship. I went on and played football in college, went on and coached for about 15 years in college ball. But it, 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 why did I fly 1,100 miles to see one man? Why? Because he affirmed me in my life. There's something about the power of affirmation. Now, I grew up in a funny family. My, uh, my father's side of the family were the most negative, pessimistic people you've ever met in your life. They just could not see anything positive about anything or anybody. And if you said something positive, they felt it was their spiritual gift to counteract that with something negative. Their theme song... Now, in California, you're all too sophisticated for this show, but we used to watch this back, you know, in the South. It's called Hee Haw. Anybody remember Hee Haw? Does anybody even remember that? Hey, Google it. Google Hee Haw, okay? And the theme song of Hee Haw was this. Glam, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If I didn't have bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. I mean, I, I'm like, it's a horrible song. That was my father's family. You know, I never heard my dad ever say to me, I love you, son. Never heard an affirmation, never got a hug from my father. I remember one night, but he would come to all my football games, which I loved it. And, and one night I rushed for five touchdowns and I ran for 276 yards in the first half. It's a pretty good half. If you run for five touchdowns. Now, we were playing Rosarian School for the Blind, but it was a good half. You know what I'm talking about? It was a good half. Come on. Talk to me. It was a good half. And I ran off the field right to my father like a little puppy dog, wanting him to affirm me and say to me, good game, son. And he just couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. He, said, he started pointing out things that I should have done, tackles I missed, and, and I could have run better if I'd done this. I mean, it was amazing what he was critiquing my game. Wow. But praise God for my mother's side of the family. My mama's side of the family, 180 degrees opposite from daddy's side of the family. They would love you, hug you, and kiss you multiple times when you entered the house. So if you entered their house... It was hug and kiss, hug and kiss, hug and kiss. And you kissed everybody in the house coming in. And on the way out, you hugged and kissed everybody on the way out. And then they told you multiple times, I love you, 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 I love you. I mean, they were a Dutch family. They acted like Italians. I mean, it was unbelievable. So where do you think I was drawn as a young man? I was drawn to my mother's family. Why? Because there I found affirmation. I found love. I found acceptance. And they believed in me. Wow. The power of affirmation. 
And by the way, their theme song was zippity doo da zippity a. Come on. My, oh, my, what a wonderful day. Plenty of sunshine heading my way. Come on. zippity doo da zippity a. Yeah, that was their theme song. So who do you want to hang with? Gloom, despair, and agony on me? Or zippity doo da zippity a? I don't know about you, but that's where I want to hang. The Word of God says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, So let your light shine that men will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, now, now think with me a moment. I was thinking about this just today. The Lord is saying to us that we are to so let His light shine through us that people are attracted to us so that we can point them to him. They're attracted to us so we can point them to him. That men will see your good works. Now, think about it. If we're going to have influence and impact in people's lives for the kingdom of God, we must first be attractive. People must be attracted to us. So what makes us as followers of Christ so attractive in our world? Well, you know, we, we know the basics. And one of them, of course, is when, when we have the love of God shining through us. That, that's attractive. Now, I was attracted to my wife as soon as I saw her. She, I was 16. She come walking in this brown dress. I mean, I didn't know anything about her, but I saw her in that brown dress. I go, whoop, whoop, there it is. I saw her. <laughs> whoop. Come on. Hey, she's Beautiful. And by the way, the only place she would date me was in church. But by the way, girls, if they won't date you in church, dump them. Dump them quick. Don't have anything to do with them. Hit the road, Jack. Don't come back no more, no more, no more, no more. Hit the road, Jack. You know what I'm talking about? But as I got to know Donna, I saw the beauty of who she was as a woman that loved God, even as a young girl. The love in her. I'll tell you what else is very attractive. And you're around people that are joyful. Isn't that attractive? I love your name of your church, Celebration. Come on, we're, we're celebrating around here. Why, we're celebrating, right? We're celebrating Christ. We're celebrating our life transformation. We're ce- celebrating life-changing stories and healing and, and deliverance. And all. We're celebrating. We're a joyful people. By the way, people are attracted to Celebration. People are attracted to generosity, aren't they? When we live generous lives, it's very attractive. People are drawn to people who are generous. Don and I, we're kind of boring the way we eat. We go to the same restaurants, order the same thing. Now, our, our son and, our, uh, our, uh, and, and his wife, they're foodies. They're, they're all the time going after new, exquisite, challenging, delicious things. Try this, Dad. Try that, Dad. <laughs> Nah, if it's not deep fried, I don't want it. You know what I mean? Come on. Have some sushi. I don't want sushi. Deep fry it. I'll eat it. If you'll deep fry it, I'll eat it. I'm sorry. I'm just waiting. We, we go in this one, we go in this one uh, uh, restaurant, and, and we, we go in there, and we order the same thing every time. But the great thing with it is my wife loves on every server in that restaurant to the point where she prays for them now. And then at the end of it, we always write generous tips. But at the end of it, she's always get, asking me for more money. And she'll get, say, you give me a 20. You got a 20? You got a 20? You got a 20? If you got a 50? 50, 50. And then she'll, she'll get that. And she'll go over and she'll call one of the girls over or, or one of the servers over. And she'll slip in her hand and say, now listen, God loves you. We love you. We're praying for you this week. Guess what? When we go in that restaurant, they're duking it out, out back. Who gets to serve us? No, no. You get, but I'm cutting them out, man. Boom, boom, boom. They're attracted to our table because they know that my wife is going to be generous with them. And at church, same way, they all flock around Donna. She's the last one to leave. She's ministering to all the women. And then she's, she's always asking me, honey, if you got some money, I got some money. I'm going to give this. I'm going to give her some money. Money, money. So now I've learned I don't take my billfold to church anymore. <laughs> I hit up all the security guys. I mean, hey, hey. Got some money? Empty your billfold. Empty your billfold. Donna, 
Miss Donna wants it. St. Donna, you know. She's like Mother Teresa's sister in our church. That's how we reverence Donna. So boom. But generosity is attractive, is it not? And God wants us to be attractive in our lives. But I want to tell you what's also very attractive. When you're around somebody that sees the champion in you and they call it out. They affirm you. They literally speak words of encouragement over your life. You are drawn to people like that. I'm going to tell you what. When somebody like that walks into the room, I'm going to tell you what happens. When someone walks in the room that the light of Christ is shining through them so brightly through their love, through their joy, through their generosity, through their affirmation, you know what happens when they walk into a room? People do this. Now watch me closely. What camera's on me? Is this camera on me? Okay, I'm going to turn sideways. I'm going to say this way first. Right here, right here. You're with me? Is this camera with me? I don't see a red light on the camera. Are you there? Cameraman, talk to me. Camera woman, what is it? Oh, it's a woman. When it's nudges. Anyways, so we're here, and here's what happens. Somebody like that walks in, filled with the light of God. You know what we do? We automatically, two things happen right off the bat. A little grin comes on her face. And then here's the second thing that happens. Watch. Now watch this. Don't miss this. Here's what happens. Here's the second thing that happens. Did you get it? Did you get it? You lean in. You lean in. I tell you what, when somebody walks in a room that you know is ready to affirm you, that loves you, that's wanting to add value to you, you know what you do? You lean into them because you're there. Because God wired us to lean into his love. We're wired to lean into the love of God. And when that love comes through us in such a bright and shining way, It's so stark different than our world. Our world is so negative, so critical, so pessimistic, so doggone dark. We should stand out like lights, piercing the darkness. Amen? Well, that's my introduction. I better go preach now. Let's get my message out. I was getting fired up today, though. God was giving me some of these thoughts for you. And I, I, I had two or three different ways I was going to go tonight. But, but the Lord just kept me circling back to this. And so I said, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm with it. Let's go. Let, let's go make it happen. I want to read some scriptures to you. In Hebrews 10, 24, just write this down as a reference point so you can read this. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Let's consider how we can stir one another up. That's what we're gathering here for tonight. We're here. You, you, are the, you, you, you are the driving dream team members of this church. You're driving this. You're, you're the harvesters. You're the, you're the team men that's making this happen. And, and we have got to continually perfect our spiritual skills in how we stir one another up to good works. You know, when I was coaching, I always took my team I mean, my coach is with me to learn from the national champions. And, and so one year I was coaching college ball, and I went to where the national champions were, and I, and I stayed with them for three days, learned everything they were doing. I wanted to know how they even taped ankles. I wanted to learn from the champions. What we, what we learned when we got back was interesting. They were doing the same basic fundamentals we were doing and running basically the same plays we were running. The difference was... They were more consistent in their execution of the fundamentals. They were also a little stronger and quicker than we were. But it was the same fundamentals. Then I went to the pro camp, stayed three days at the professional camp level, and I learned they're teaching the same fundamentals. It was the execution of them. Bidding back to consistent execution of the fundamentals. Sometimes we're always looking for some new approach, new angle, when really it gets down to how Consistent are we in the execution of the fundamentals. And the fundamentals of our faith are so, in many ways, simple. We are to simply allow the love of Christ to shine through us. And every day we're on point, we're on mission. Every one of us. And we realize that every encounter we have with another person is a ministry opportunity to allow the love of God to shine through us. If I'm driving through the drive through 
If I'm encountering somebody at work or somebody at school, wherever I am, I treat it as I've got an opportunity to shine in this moment and be attractive for the purpose of drawing them so that I can position to have influence to point them to him. Amen? That's what we're trying to do. Listen, you want everybody in this region following you to the house of God. You want to pack out Easter. Go get them, baby. Come on. You ought to be inviting everybody you know. And invite all the strangers twice. Because, see, we, we understand what we have access to. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. I love that. Just as, in fact, you're doing. Reckless words pierce like a sword. Oh, reckless words pierce like a sword. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. Hey, now what about this scripture? Ephesians 4, 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is helpful for building others up according to their need, that it may benefit those who listen, that it may benefit those who listen. Sometimes we're so concerned about getting our point across, but really that's not the purpose of our, most of our conversations. It's not about getting our point across. It's about getting his point across in the way that we love people, in the way that we're trying to build them up. And, the, and you know what? I'm not a good listener, but I'm trying to be a better listener. Listening to people, finding out where they are, trying to connect at that common point where we can connect. And sometimes the most encouraging thing we can say to people, even when we don't understand what really the answer is, is to say, you know what? I, I, I really care about you, and I'm going I'm, I'm to take that home, and, and I'm going to pray about that, and I'm going to pray for you. We had a person driving us the other night, and we were going to a restaurant. We had to get someone to drive us to the restaurant, and we're going to the restaurant, and lo and behold, we found out the driver's father had died that day. That day, wow, I didn't know him. I said, James, I'm so sorry. I said, no one knows your pain right now you're going through, but God, God knows that pain, and I lost my father, but I lost him like, you know, 25 years ago. But I want you to know one thing, James, we care about you, and we're going to pray for you tonight. I just wanted to get a little bit of light there, you know? Just a little bit of light. Just a little bit of light. He wasn't offended by that at all. He wasn't offended. I said I was going to pray for him. We cared about him. And then we, we, we had an, another encounter with him the next day. Well, what, we, we, we shine a little bit more on him. Just keep shining. So you never know. Where, where you're watering, where you're sowing, where you're reaping, the Spirit of God will tell you, but one thing you're going to do in all three processes, you're going to shine. You're going to shine. You're going to become attractive. You know, sometimes I, I wonder. I, I wonder why we're, we're not better about affirming others, but I think sometimes it happens this way. You now listen to me. You cannot call the champion out in others if you don't first see the champion that is within you. Would you? Would you? Put that on Twitter. I'm put that on Twitter. That was good. That was good. You, you, if you haven't written that down, write that down. Text that out. Tweet that out. Facebook that out. Let me see if I can say it again. <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> you cannot call the champion out in others if you haven't first seen the champion that is within you. So many people struggle with their own sense of identity that they're not able to really look outward because they're so inwardly focused because they're, they, they're so confused about their identity. We live in a world, people are so struggling with their true identity. Do you remember the Bible in Judges chapter 6? There's one of my favorite characters, his name's Gideon. Now Gideon is a man that God had ordained to use to raise up an army of 300 to drive out the Midianites out of the country of Israel that were in there just literally pillaging the whole nation of Israel. 
and, and the people were terrified. And so the angel appears to Gideon, and Gideon's in this, he's in this depressed area. It's called a, he was in a wine press thrashing wheat. Well, you don't thrash wheat down there. You get it up on the high level ground where the wind can come and blow the chaff away. But he wasn't up there. He was afraid. He's down there. And the angel appears to Gideon, and he says to Gideon, Gideon, mighty man of valor, mighty warrior. Gideon said, what? Who are you talking to? I'm no mighty man of valor. He said, do you know who I am? He said, I'm of the tribe of Manasseh. We're the weakest of all 12 tribes, okay? We're the weakest one. My clan is the weakest one in the clan of the weakest tribe. And by the way, my family is the weakest family in the clan of the weakest tribe. And guess what? I'm the weakest one in my family. Wow, I think you've got some self-image issues here, don't we, Gideon? Listen to me. Don't you dare let anybody else label you or don't you let anything of your past label you. Don't you let anything label you. You find your identity in Christ and in his word. Gideon was pointing to his past. He's pointing to his weaknesses. God said, no, no, son, I see a champion if you. If you'll step out, step into your identity, you're going to become a mighty warrior. And he became a champion, a champion that brought transformation to a nation. Maybe that's why I'm here tonight, to say to you, you're a Gideon in the sight of God. I don't know what the female version of Gideon is. A gideon is. What is it in Spanish? How would you say in Spanish? I don't know. You know, Spanish is heaven's language. I do know that. Glory out of But I'm here to tell you something. When you discover who you truly are, it changes everything about you. And your focus goes from inward to outward. And then you're in a position to see others and call the champion out in them. I wrote this down. Neil Anderson said this. He said, the more you reaffirm who you are in Christ, the more your behavior will begin to reflect your true identity. The more you reaffirm who you are in Christ, the more your behavior will begin to reflect your true identity. I used to, when I coached, I, I took over teams that never had won and turned them into championship teams. But before they ever champion, I said, listen, you got to start thinking like a champion, acting like a champion, dressing like a champion, walking like a champion, talking like a champion, look like a champion, get your pants up, look like a champion. Man, we can't think we're shining light when we're walking around. This kind of, huh? Oh, I don't know. Huh? Oh, bless your heart. Come on. You're a son. You're a daughter of Christ. You have royal blood flowing through you. You need to get your head up, your shoulders back, and rebuke the power of darkness that tries to overwhelm you, and you pierce it with the light of heaven. Amen? And a declaration of who you are. I, I, I'm just praying that God's people will rise up and claim their true identity. And when you rise up and claim your true identity, it changes everything. You see life totally different. And every challenge that comes, you know that you will be more than a conqueror through it. You're not a victim. You're a conqueror. I don't care. I love what Paul said. He said, I might be down, but I'm not out. I've been hard-pressed, but I'm not crushed. I tell you what. We can press through every situation knowing that our God will give us the power to overcome as we trust him. And I love what it says in Corinthians. He'll never let us be tested or tried beyond what we can bear. Isn't that wonderful to know? I'm going to feel like, Lord, I can't take any more of this. God knows how much you can take and can't take. And here's the other thing I know. Any pain you go through in your life, God only allows pain to come in our lives so it will refine us. And in that pain, we will discover more dependency upon him. And through that pain, that pain then becomes a source of us of comfort that we have received from God to be a comfort to those that have walked through that same place. Amen?
So I'm a coach, so let me give you a little coaching tips. You ready? Here we go. I'm going to give you four thoughts real quick. How to establish a life that affirms. A life that affirms. I don't know about you, but I, I want people to know one thing I can say about coach. If you get around him, he's going to affirm you. He's going to build you up. He's going to encourage you. He's going to, he's going to look for and speak the best over you. His mission is to call the champion out in you. Now, what happens if we get Celebration Church, an army by the thousands marching in this region, calling the champions out in people they work with, the champions out in the people they live with, the neighbors that are beside them, they go to school with, they're constantly calling the champion out. I'll tell you what, you'll light this place up. And people will be drawn to you, and then you will have the influence to point them to him. So here's my four things. First thing is this. You need to be secure in who you are in Christ. You need to be secure in who you are in Christ. Because I'll tell you what, insecure people always look inward. Secure people focus outward. And our security comes from knowing that we are loved by him. I love what the Apostle Paul says. The Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians 3, chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Yet to all, he says in John 1, 12, it did receive him to those who believe in his name. He gave them the right to become the children of God. When we get a glimpse of how much he really loves us, it changes us. Don and I, uh, we have two children. Uh, we have a son and a daughter. And uh, our son uh, had his son 21 years ago. I can't believe it. I got a 21-year-old I'm only about 45. I'm trying to figure out, how did this all work out? I, I still can't figure this math out. But I remember, I can remember like, like it was yesterday. He's in the nursery. The baby's been born. He's in the nursery. He's holding his newborn son in his arms. And in the nursery, the attending nurse that night in the hospital was a Christ Fellowship member, one of our church members. She was praying praise and worship music over the babies. And my son is in there holding his baby, singing praise and worship to his son and tears running down his eyes. I'm at the, at the window, pressed up against it with tears running down my eyes. And I'm holding on to my wife with tears running down her eyes. He came out and, and handed me the baby. I didn't quite know how to hold him. I... So I put him in here and got a secure grip so I couldn't fumble him. You know what I mean? I didn't, didn't want to fumble him. I'm looking at that baby and I'm looking into my son. There's a look in his eye of a depth of love that he didn't even know was possible until that moment that he laid eyes on his son. And then here's what I said to him. I said, Todd, I said, only now will you begin to discover just how much I have loved you because now you will discover the love that a father has for his son. When we discover how much our Heavenly Father loves us, it changes us. And then we're able to really love others the way we realize how much we have been loved. So let's learn to be secure in that. And you know what? When you see yourself in a positive light, you'll see others in a positive light. If you see yourself in a negative light, guess what? That shadow that you see yourself in, that shadow will be cast on others as well. So it's very hard for you to really affirm them and be affirming. So let's, let's break loose from that. Let's, let's don't let that dictate to us. Here's one thing I've always known. 
You've got to value yourself. What did Jesus say? Love your neighbor as yourself. Once you begin to value yourself, then you will begin to not only add value to yourself, but you will add value to others because you will now value them. And when, listen, I'm going to tell you this right now. When you begin to add value to other people, you know what they do? They lean in. They lean in. Pastor, after one service, I, I never forget, I was uh, down in our area and kind of over this side of our platform, and, and I was ministering to people, and the service was over, and um, this man walked up, he, and, he's, and he's, I mean, he was a big man, okay? I've coached some big men, okay? I mean, I've coached, you know, the 350-pound the, the lineman, you know? This dude made him look small. I mean, he was big. He was big. He was a double wide, like a double wide refrigerator. I mean, he came in big. <laughs> And I asked him, how can I pray for you? And he told me something for his aunt. And, and, and so I prayed and when I got done, I said, hey, son, give me a hug. And he looked at me and he pulled away from me. He pulled away when I said, give, give me a hug. I didn't like that. He pulled away from me. So I went in on him hard. <laughs> Boom! I hit him. <laughs> Threw my arms around him like this, as far as I could get right there. And I pulled him into me. Now, I made a mistake there. Because when the weight shifted... And his weight got on me, and he laid his head on my shoulder, and he started crying. And I'm starting to cry, too. I said, oh, Lord Jesus, have mercy. My legs are about to go down. He's going to crush me. I'm down. We're going down. We're going down. And his wife looks over at me, and she says to me, she said, Pastor, you're the first man that's ever hugged my husband. The first man that's ever hugged my husband. I told him, I said, every week, I want you to line up right over here because I, I exit the platform, minister to people, then I, I go out the door right here and our, our sanctuary goes up to my office in the back. I said, I want you to be waiting right there for me every week. I want a hug. And he does. He comes over and he stands in there. He just stands there. He just stands there. And I'm done. I go, hey. I said, come on, come in here. And I've learned now. I hit him hard, and I lean into him. Boom, boom, boom. I love you, son. And I go. I can't tell how many people are waiting for somebody that cares enough about them to lean into them, add value to them, and let them know they are loved. Here's the second thing, and this is quick. i got to be quick because I'm running out of time. How are we doing? No time. I haven't even paid attention time. Oh, my goodness. Come on. i got to get rocking. and roll. Hey, can you give me another couple minutes? You got a couple minutes? Okay, good, good. Ten more minutes. Okay. I'm sorry. I had no idea I'd gone this long. I'm just having so much fun with you. I just love you. I traveled this far. We might as well hang out. You know what I'm talking about? Come on, let's hang. Give me a little affirmation here. A little love. Come on. I'm talking about. So here's the second thing. You've got to start taking control of your thought life. The thought life is so critical. Don't you think the Apostle Paul had to battle with his thought life all the time? That's why he told us in the Scriptures, think on the things of good report. Think on the things that are positive, that are noteworthy, that are praiseworthy. You know, and then what do you say in Corinthians? I think it's 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. He says, take every thought captive and make it subject to Christ. Subject to the truth. Subject to the Spirit. Subject to His love. Take those thoughts. So listen, I've got to get my thinking right so I can get my speaking right. If I'm going to be a person of affirmation, i got to be a person that's thinking about thoughts of affirmation. If I'm going to be a person of praise and others, I've got to be thinking about praiseworthy things. My grandfather always taught me this. He said, son, when you meet people, immediately think the best of them. Look for the best in them and then speak the best to them. Wow. I had no idea how, what a great thing that was for me. My grandfather was my pastor. I never heard him ever say a critical word about anyone. The most positive man, loving man I've ever met. He said, son, when you see somebody, immediately think the best. Look for the best and speak the best. Now, we, none of us are perfect. We all have flaws. We've all got weaknesses. We've all got failures. So why do we always drawn to that first? Why don't we look for the good? Man, I tell you what, if we start looking for the good and speaking the good over them, guess what's going to happen? They're going to start moving towards the good. 
Here's another thing we got to do. We got to hang with like-minded people. You want to hang with other like-minded, positive, affirming people. They'll make all the difference in your life. The, those closest to you set the tone of your life. You know that, don't you? And you should be setting the tone of others' lives with how positive you are, how bright you're shining with the love of God in your love, in your joy, in your peace, in your generosity, and in your affirmation of them. Every day, I tell my wife multiple times how much I love her. Every day. And we've been married 52 years. Every day. I'm more in love with her today than I've ever been. I'm telling you what. I'm still, I see her. I see her coming. And I'm still going, whoop, whoop, dead is. Whoop, whoop, dead is. Come on, baby. Come on, baby. That's what I'm talking about. Come on, baby. Look, look, look at, come on, talk to me. Woo! I want her to know that she's ever been as beautiful, if not more beautiful, than the day I first met her. I, I want to daily hang with people that are like-minded, that also have that tone. I remember when I played the college ball pastor, um, my freshman year when I went to college, I thought I was hot stuff, you know. I was all area, all state, honorable mention, all America, running back from my area, and I ended up going to a, a mid-level school that I thought I'd be a, you know, a star in this smaller college. And the only reason I went there is because that's the only place I'd offer my cousin, who he and I had played football from little pro all the way up, the only place they offered him a scholarship, so I went there so we could be together. It was so brutal. I had no idea how brutal college was at that time. And they wouldn't give you water. Back then, they thought water was bad for you. They'd give you a salt tablet. Like, that's going to help you on an August afternoon when you've been dehydrated by about 12 pounds of water weight and you can barely exist. You're, and you're delirious, you know, and you're dehydrated, and they give you a salt tablet. Hello. Then if they would bring water out, here's how they would do it back where I played. This is horrible. They brought water out in a bucket. In a bucket. And in the, in the bucket was a towel. And they would take the towel in the bucket, pick it up, and sop it. You know what sopping is? It's... Well, we freshmen were the last ones to the bucket. So you got all these hairy, nasty, dirty linemen, bloody. I mean, that bucket, fly wouldn't land on that bucket of water. But I learned something. Desperate people do desperate things. And I went in. Guys were dropping like flies. They were taking guys off the field in stretchers. I didn't know it at the time, but there was a kind of an unspoken code among all the upperclassmen, kill every freshman on sight. It was like they would knock your head off. They would give you no mercy. And it was just unbelievable. And, and my, my cousin who I went there for, he snuck out in the middle of the night and hitchhiked home. People are leaving like crazy. I'm, I'm like one of the few freshmen left. And at the end of one practice, coach blows a whistle. Line up for wind sprints. We run these 40-yard wind sprints at the end. I couldn't even move. I'd thrown up everything I'd eaten for days. I was so dehydrated. And for the first time in my life, I had a thought come across me about quitting. I never quit anything. And here I am. I'm supposed to be this, you know, all, this all-state, you know, really a good player kind of, and I'm thinking about quitting. I don't know that I can do it. I'm sitting here like that, and I'm supposed to run these sprints. About that time, an all-American senior running back by the name of Charlie Pell, he walks by me, and he said to me, and he hit me. He said, hey, rookie, I didn't know he knew my name. <laughs> he said, hey, rookie, run with me. You know what that meant for him to even acknowledge me? I got down beside him, and somehow I drafted off of him. When he took off, I just ran right, and I drafted, and I drafted, and I got through that practice. Guess where I lined up every drill, every practice, every sprint after that? Right beside Charlie. Right beside Charlie. And he drafted me and got me through two days in the summer. I not only made the varsity team, I ended up by the second game into the season starting. And I was about to quit. But Charlie came up and said, hey, rookie, run with me. People are waiting for you to come alongside of them. 
and say, come on, run with me. Come on, you can make it, run with me. Come on, I, I, I see the potential in you. There, listen, listen, listen. You're not even going to make the team. You're going to be a star on our team. So come on, run with me. Do you realize what that means when you come along somebody and say, hey, come on, run with me? Because I'm telling you what, we're all here tonight because somebody came alongside of us and said, come on, run with me. Amen? So we need to be that person. And we need to be looking for those that nobody else is worried about. We need to go find them. Say, hey, 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 come on, come on. Come on, let's go. Come run with me. Jesus got accused of hanging with some pretty interesting characters, didn't he? What was Jesus saying to him? I'm not looking at you at your old life. I'm looking at the potential of what's going to happen in your new life when you start running on the right trail. And he was saying to him, come on, rookie. Come on, rookie. Run with me. Wow. We've got to be secure in who we are in his love. Secure enough that we start letting his love focus us outward, not inward. And we start loving ourselves so we can start loving others. Amen. We're going to take control of our thought life. And we're not going to allow ourselves to condemn, go into these areas of, of condemnation. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So I rebuke those thoughts. I take them captive. I, I, every day you've got to flood your mind with the Word of God to flush out all that negative stuff. Flood it in the Word. Get in the Word. Flood it out, man, every day. I have praise and worship music on all the time. Whatever I'm doing, i got praise and worship music on. I'm driving with praise and worship. A guy... Drove by me the other day, and he got up several way I was driving or something, and saluted me. He didn't bother me a bit. I'm going, praise God. I'm praising God. I'm just having a wonderful time. He gave me a salute. And I'm going to hang with people who are like-minded, who are encouraging, and I'm going to, I'm going to build me a posse of people that are wanting to run the way of God. And listen to me, we're on mission. Stay on mission every day. Keep your mind focused. I'm on mission. Listen, the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you read verse 17 through 20, he says this, you've all been given a message, a ministry, and a mission of reconciliation. You are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though he was making his appeal through you. Therefore, shine. The men will see the good works, be drawn and attracted to you, and then you can point them to the source. And it will bring life transformation to them. Gosh, I'd love to preach tonight to you. I'd love to tell you some more stories, but I better wrap this puppy up, land this plane. Let's go eat something, huh? What do you think, huh? How are we doing here? Can I tell you, it's been an honor to be with you. I, I could have... I I want you to know something. I, I love you. I love you. I would like to give you a fatherly or grandfatherly hug. I'm a grandfather now, so now I, I give out hugs. I, ain't, I, I, I go to church anymore. I just stand around and hug people. I'm just hugging people all the time. I'm hugging everybody. I'm, I'm a hugger. I'm a hugger. I just hug you. Tell you I love you. I look for every young man in our church that doesn't have a father. And I make, I'm intentional about trying to get to them and hug them and affirm them and tell them how much I love them, how much I believe in them, how much God, what God's going to do in them, how God's going to use them. Because see, my grandfather told me, he said, Tommy, God's hands upon you. One day he's going to use you in a powerful way for the kingdom of God. I had no idea that was going to happen. And then one day I'm in Israel, in Jerusalem, in the way of the cross, and it hit me, the depth of his love for me. It tore me up. I've never been the same since. God's placed you where he's placed you. He's given you influence where you are. Now shine bright. Become so attractive, it's irresistible. They're going to fly into you. They're going to lean into you like a moth heading for that light at night. And then suddenly... They're going to encounter the Spirit of God. Amen? And their life's going to be changed. Celebration. Talk to me. Come on. All right.
Here's what we're going to do. Everybody get on your feet. Get your hands free. On your feet, hands free. On your feet, hands free. Come on, let's go. Get up, get up, get up. Quick, 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 quick. Now, I'm going to teach you something real quick here. In football, we call the fundamental position. You have your feet spread the width of your shoulders. and we say break down, we're going to get in a fundamental position. That's this position right here. See where I am? Back straight, knees bent. Now, some of you don't bend too low. You won't get back up. All right? So when I say break down, I want you to get in a fundamental position. Ready? Here we go. Break down. Okay, go, go, come on. Okay. All right. Okay, hold, hold just a minute. Wait a minute. I don't want anything to distract this, guys, but thank you. I like your guitar. You look good, baby. You're looking good. You're styling. Got your hat on. Look at look at you. You're styling. looking good. Come on, baby. Look here. Come on, baby. Talk to me. Got your cross. Got your beard looking good. Man, that hair is awesome right there. Look at that hair. Wish I had some. How y'all doing over there? All right, so here we go. So when I say break down, we're going to break fundamentals. You ready? Break down. Come on. Get, what are you guys doing? Come on. What are you doing? Somebody, and I'm looking at you guys right there. You're going to run laps at the service. You don't get broken down. Here we go. Ready? Break down. Come on. Get, come on. Get down. Come on. Get up. Man. Come on. Pastor. 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 Now, this time, when I holler break down, you're going to do the clap. Here's the clap. One, two, three, one. Practice that one. Here we go. One, two, three, one. Oh, I like that. That's good. So I'm going to holler break down. We're going to go one, two, three, one, and we're going to come up with the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Shout his name out. Then you're going to turn and high-five at least two people. Men, men, find somebody you can chest bump. And tell them, you better shine bright, baby. You better shine bright. That's what you're going to tell them, all right? Here we go, here we go, here we go. Ready? Come on, let's go, let's go. Ready? Break down. Jesus! Shine bright! Come on, baby! Shine bright! This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc.